Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. I'm David. Welcome to August. Today, the day that this episode is coming out, is August 1st. August 1. Which means it's time for something new. It doesn't really mean that. We have not done that ever. But, you know, new month, new start. That's how it's going to work this time. So we have a theme. Which is very exciting. If you're a member of our discord you know about it if you i don't know did we mention it i think we mentioned it on our Instagram we, we mentioned it on our social we, on our insta so if you follow us there and you watch you know our lives whenever we do them you might have heard about it but without further ado we're doing pick a pit august, august. i guess yeah. where we're pick gonna pick august every month john wick every week yeah so you know, we've got so Brad Pitt has a new movie coming out this month, which is, I, you know, why we did it. There's no other real reason that I'm aware of for Brad Pitt and August. I don't think he was born this month. But he does yeah, have no a new connection. movie, Bullet Train, coming out. And we are going to talk about Bullet Train this month. But we figured why not fill the rest of the month with some other classic Pitt picks. So today, we're going to talk about what for a lot of people might be like the obvious, the top Pitt pick. Or maybe it's just middling for you. I don't know. We're talking yeah, about Fight Club. I, I looked it up last night, and if you if you go on Letterboxd, I'm sure there's some other. I'm sure there's some other sites I could do. I'm fighting a child over here. And if you go on Letterboxd and you search by cast members and you pull up just Brad Pitt's movies, it's his third ranked movie or his second ranked movie on Letterboxd. So really? yes, which is surprising and not surprising at the same time. So I I thought. It's going to be because we th- we were considering doing a poll of our Discord or of our Twitter or Instagram, wherever. And I thought this is going to be done to us. So we might as well do it to ourselves and watch Fight Club from way back in 1999. Yeah, 1999. You mentioned Letterboxd. So I wanted to ask real quick did you guys get the Easter egg when you did you log it on Letterboxd yet? I did. I did. I have. I didn't. Yet, no. I wasn't. Oh. I was. I didn't do it on purpose, but I, as I, I, I was like, you know, I'm just going to write this now while I'm thinking about it. And yes, when you, do you want to spoil it for Garrett? No, I to... think I know what it is, is it changes it from stars to fists? No, no. no. Well, what oh. it does, does is. Does it do that? It might do that too. I don't know. Well, it does have a fist emoji when you do it, but it says when you log a review for Fight Club on Letterboxd, it says you're about to break the first and second rule of Fight Club. Are you sure you want to continue? Ah, that's and, funny. Uh, you can click letter so, rip or. Uh, or cancel. Yeah, no way. Why would you ever cancel your review? But yes, I was like, oh, dang, yeah, that's Funny pretty, I, that's you know, I was in a certain mood after the movie, but that did make me feel better. Yeah. So Fight Club, like David said, came out in 1999, directed by David Fincher, starring Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, Helena Bottom Carter, and an assortment of other actors, including Meatloaf, a young Jared Leto, and others, but... Interesting. Is Jared Leto aged at all? Like he seems like he's he been really has it. He's been age for forty years. If I can compliment him on anything, it is his youthful appearance. He's a baby face, angel or, face, as some might call him, or just an actual vampire, Morbius. <laughs> anyway, Fight Club. Everybody knows it. I feel like so. Let's just get into it. Does anyone have any searing thoughts? Any hot takes? Big changes from your first viewing? I don't know. Anyone? Anyone? I don't anyone? know. I want Gary. I want to hear from you first if you're. Willing and able. Yeah, so I'm going to see this movie very often. I didn't see it when it came out. And my first experience with it was recently, four or five years ago or so. And I enjoyed it, and I still enjoy it. I think what I appreciate about this movie is genuinely 
the story that's being told from start to finish, the unraveling of everything and the tying the pieces together. Yes, it can be muddled. Yes, it can be interpreted in one way or another. But that last 30 minutes where Ed Norton figures it out, it changes the dynamic and it does, for me, something different than those split personality movies usually do. It takes it in a detective route. And now he's figured out that he is Tyler Durden. And now he's trying to figure out what the heck Tyler Durden is doing and trying to fix it and solve and fix the problem that he caused. And that was different. I really enjoyed that dynamic and turning it into a detective movie and not just solely focusing on the split. I really enjoyed that. I think that it can be like misinterpreted if you're not careful. And then you go down that toxic masculinity route and that dangers of all of that. And you like it rather than push away from it. And so I think there is a danger. And I think when this movie came out was uh, called out for that. But I think that if you understand the message that they're trying to send, then you can avoid that. But I really do just appreciate the storytelling from start to finish of this movie. Well, so. Yeah, I, I agree with that because for me, I think that the the style and the editing and the you know the use of I think the sort of there there is a sort of like at times meta component to it where they call out there's a very specific point in the movie where Ed Norton's just he's he goes beyond just casual narrator to just directly looking into the camera telling you parts of the story highlighting this is what happens in movie making with editing highlight this is you know like at one point he says he called he goes it's called the oh gosh what does he say so he says i call like the blackout the movie goes on but the audience doesn't know what's happening and he wakes up after he has like a blackout moment there is a at the end of the movie after we because the movie opens at the end and we have this prolonged flashback and when he comes back edward norton's character changes the line uh the line at the beginning of the movie was i can't think of anything at the end he says I still can't think of anything. And Brad Pitt says, yeah, flashback humor. There's a little bit of like a meta thing going on there. I think those parts are interesting and cool. And I like Ed Norton and I like Brad Pitt. But this movie sits in a very similar headspace for me as like American History X, where I watched it one time and I got what I needed to get out of it. And then every time after, I just feel gross thinking about it. Like American History X is that type of movie, again, with Ed Norton, where... It is a very, like, honest critique of the worst parts of, at the very least, American life, but humanity. And it's, but it's brutal. It's ugly. It's a very gross depiction of some of our worst aspects. And this movie being, you know, a critique and highlight of, you know, early stage fascism and nihilism and, you know, uh, Te you know, terrorism and things like that. American History X based more solely on just white supremacy and things like that. I really didn't like rewatching it. it. Was it just makes me feel awful at times? I, all of the aesthetic things that I love about it, I still think are good. I really love Ed Norton in this. I really love Brad Pitt. I love a lot of the style of it, the grunginess. But it's just, I feel like it makes my skin crawl. It made it's, it's. I was reading a lot of different reviews from 1998. I don't remember who said it. But there was a, a review that called it nerve chafing. 
And that was how, that's how I would describe it too. It is a movie that I feel like is dangerous for 14 year olds, but they're like the up there, the people who find it and watch it and go, whoa, that was like speaking to me, but they take the wrong message away. Like you said, Garrett, I don't know. I watched it this time when I did watch it this time, because this is probably the first time I watched it since I was like 20. I was folk. I took on a very different viewing and I'll, I want to, I'll mention it in a minute because I want to hear from Josh about his overall thought. Watched this movie for the first time as a teenager, I think. Yeah, because it would, yeah, sometime around high school. And I really liked it a lot. And I think at that time, I took the wrong message, like you all have said, because, and this is, I don't know that it sells the message well enough because it is too easy to think, Oh yeah, this is awesome in terms of this is how I want to live my life. Because a lot of dudes in particular, a lot of men have that affiliation with this film. And watching it now, so many years later, I do, I think I agree with David a little bit that I, I have, it gave me a bit of a nick because it is in your face gross and messy and not just in a gross way, like when they spill that bag of human fat all over each other that's actually gross but just in like the way the characters behave and all that stuff is like who this is truly one of those movies where you're not supposed to root for anyone and if you are you need to rethink the movie a little bit because these are not good people but that's the point i think this is a commentary on a lot of things at once and it did it so toxic masculinity First example, the comp, the societal conversation around that subject was not what it was, or it was not in 1999 what it is today. So it feels different watching it through today's lens because you watch it through today's lens and you're like, oh, this movie is nothing but a bunch of tropes and nonsense. But that movie set the tropes and it wasn't that way at the time as much. So I think it, I can, I think that why that's why it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way especially back when it came out, because I understood this to be very controversial when it came out and not particularly well-liked for a long time. Because it is, it is it feels, oh no, this is terrible. But we weren't talking about it enough to see it in society, I think. I don't know. This is my brain ramblings. But that's just what I felt about the commentary. Otherwise, though, it's a very well-made movie. I like David Fincher's directing style. Every, yes, I, Ed Norton and Brad Pitt are really good in it. Most of the cast is really good in it. A shining star is always Meatloaf as Robert Paulson to me because he's just so, I don't know. You d- He's just. You don't expect that from Meatloaf. No, like, that is only- such a tender kind of a performance. Yes, and then you just see him go down that and it's really heartbreaking. And Meatloaf delivers. Like it's, it's he does yeah. a great job. He's like the kindest character in the film. And yeah, it sucks to watch his evolution throughout it and then what ultimately happens to him. But what is really fascinating to me about this movie is more about what was happening in America in 1999, because this is one of three significant movies that came out. Fight Club, The Matrix, and Office Space that are a direct in-your-face commentary on consumerism and capitalism and just the nine-to-five life in America. And the rat race. That is super fascinating that these three movies that have stood the test of time came out in that same year, all talking about this desire to escape the mundane. The Matrix is literally like you're trapped in a computer and you have to take a pill to get out. Yeah. Ed Norton. 1999. Yes, he uses Fight Club (laughs) and he uses 
his support groups to find any kind of feeling and then office space. They burn. I connected this with the pandemic and how people feel to some extent after that, where you've been trapped inside or you're stuck in an office now and people are just in general trying to feel something. And so I still felt that was relatable in a different way where, you know, you might be feeling down because of depression was really high whenever you got into the pandemic and you were just trying to create something and trying to feel something and you get lost down that rabbit hole and you just go and it was, you know, I think it, it, in, it says a lot about what we've seen recently with January 6th and like how people go into tribalism and following things just based on what they sound. I think it really is still a very powerful and timely film to watch for certain commentary that we still see. So I thought that was really interesting too, that I was able to connect it with the current political climate and the pandemic. Yep. Uh, in doing a little bit of research, the movie is uh, often compared to A Clockwork Orange because similarly, that was a movie that was that had commentary and criticism of violence and the sort of the glorification of it. And this movie similarly walks a very similar path of people being like, look, I think people are like, you know, clearly it's supposed to be highlighting how you know bad this is but there's a lot in there for people to take away and be like oh no i actually feel that way the way that like you know so it is a lot of people at the time called it controversial they called it dangerous uh, my favorite st stat about this movie was that in 1999 it was called the high date movie and i can i can tell you right now do not watch this with your girlfriend or your wife they will probably hate it i can't even imagine like taking a date to the theater when this came out to watch this movie <laughs> It, yeah, oh, it's not going to foster a connection. No, yeah. and you know, I was looking at I was looking at some stats. The demographic for opening weekend was sixty eight percent male, and I was like, "That's a heavy male audience. That's a like clearly, whatever marketing did work, it got the demo. The uh, it got it got the young male demo. But yeah, it was, it was referred to as the anti date movie, and for I think a lot of good reasons. I didn't go into soup into a lot of detail to find out exactly what was changed, but I read that the studio altered the marketing when it came out because it's this apparently the studio didn't like the movie. And so they were trying to find a way to market it differently. And I don't really know what I don't know what the comparison is, but that just goes maybe they changed it to a way to appeal more directly to men or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't often get into this this detail level about it, but this because it's an older movie, there's a lot more story about it and its legacy and its aftermath and this movie basically got the head of 20th century fox fired at the time because he really went to bat for it and then it didn't perform that great which we'll get into we get it we'll get into the at the end of the show but it didn't perform that great this is a name that you guys will probably know rupert murdoch fired that guy for for its underperformance and he rupert murdoch apparently hated it but now i can see why all... rupert murdoch might yeah. hate it. <laughs> go figure Let's transition the boys and talk about the men of the hour, Brad Pitt himself right. and his performance in this movie. Because if I can say, we have already done the Oceans movies. Go back and right. listen to that. Listen to this one if you want to see what Rusty looks like on map. Because that is what Tyler Durden is to me. A very, it's just a cracked out performance of Rusty from Oceans, Oceans movies. And I really enjoyed seeing that spiral it too. The trick of this movie, the twist of this movie, in some ways, I feel like in the long run overshadows whatever the message was, Josh, like you said, the message isn't as clear. And I think it's because the twist 
that Tyler Durden isn't real is so, I think, from a young viewer standpoint, cool. Oh my gosh. And you start rethinking the whole movie. You start thinking about every interaction that the narrator had with everybody and how Tyler plays into that. It's like, oh, oh my gosh. It's so mind-blowing. But from a performance standpoint, Tyler, Brad Pitt is so, I think, compelling as Tyler Durden, as much as it as like a scumbag as Tyler is. Like he's, a, he's presented as a really bad person. All things, you know, taking in every aspect of him. He's so mm-hmm. compelling. The way he talks, Brad Pitt, I would, Brad Pitt, I don't think has an overly distinct voice. But when he gets going on a monologue, he is very hypnotic in the way that he, in the way that he monologues, you know? And so like, you get why people would believe, you know, buy into his thing. And so I think the style of it, the jackets, the hair, the glasses, it all comes together to present this really detestable, you know, for, I was going to say it, villain of the movie. Yeah, he's... Brad Pitt does what Brad Pitt does best, I think, in this movie. So it's, I don't even, I don't even know what to say about it because it's almost, I don't know. It's almost one of those roles for him where it, where he's really good at it, but it's almost like he's so good at that kind of character that I'm not even impressed anymore. Does that make any sort of sense? I don't think of Tyler Durden as one of Brad Pitt's best performances, to be honest with you. It's not because it's, I think it's a bad performance. It's just because I think there are so many better ones. Well, I think and- that this just shows his a bit. I think what this one really does is show his range because he starts off in this, it's a dramatic mystery kind of a thing. And then as it goes on, his clothes change. He gets more ridiculous. He gets more over the top. And then you get less of that dramatic bat Brad Pitt that we see. And you get more of that Brad Pitt that's leaning into the humor and just really going over the top. And so for me, I think it's a big picture of what he can do. While I don't think it is his best performance overall, I do think that it is very well-rounded and that is set the tone for Brad Pitt. Um, I think that you see the dramatic, you see the humor, you see the ability to be very intimidating and magnetizing too. I think it just really lays the groundwork for him to build on every facet of it. Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting point in his career because honestly, this is... Gosh, when was Brad Pitt not, not on top in terms of like movie stardom? But there was a lot of supporting roles. And then, you know, I guess you could start with Interview with a Vampire. But basically from 1994 to 2002, it's just like Brad Pitt in successful film after successful film. Here's just 96 to 2000 is you have seven. Sorry, that was 95. But seven. And then you have... Meet Joe Black, Fight Club, Being John Malkovich, Snatch, The Mexican, Spy Game, Ocean's Eleven. And that's like a five-year period where Brad Pitt's just everywhere. He's, you know, and doing a lot of different things. I do think that this is an interesting one in the middle because if we think about it, we really remember this is kind of, when it first came out, unsung. Like, it didn't do super well at the box office. It was disliked by the studio. They were trying to bury it. And then it blew up in home video. And... So it was, it's, I think a lot of people don't think of it as his best one. It's his, for the longest time, it was like a secret role almost because it was so downplayed when it came out. But I think it's just, 
I think it just, yeah, like you said, Garrett, it shows a little bit of his range. When he's getting beat up and he's laughing through getting his face kicked in, that for me is like one of those more standout parts because it's just, it's just so gritty and ugly and dark. You know, he's just blood all over his face and he just starts yeah, spitting blood all over this dude. It's disgusting. Here's but, a review from Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post from October of 1999 about Brad Pitt. He says, Pitt's Tyler Durden is the cataclysmer. It's a perfect role for an actor as shallow, beautiful, and cool as Pitt. Whoa. So I don't feel like that performance was well-received. Or In the article, they also admit that they do not like Brad Pitt at the time. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how that has changed over time. Because well, they called him shallow as a performer. That's very harsh. It is. It was a very harsh review. And, and, was, and looking at it 2020, know, I think it's a good performance. And I think there, you know, Brad Pitt, I think for a long time had a lot to prove. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, I think uh, you're right. I think you're right. right. For a he long was time, I think he was, he was good and he yeah. seemed down to earth. Like he doesn't seem at the time over the, uh, he doesn't have that same Hollywood allure, but he's get he's already no. just knocking movies out of the park. Like you named it. So I think that even though he was coming in hot because of his uh, charm or whatever, I don't know if he just. I feel like that too. I think this is, gosh, I'm going to get fruit thrown in my head probably, but I think a very interesting comparison would be like a Zac Efron where people like at first just see them as, oh, just good looking guy. That's all they are. They're just good looking, you know, leading man type. And they have to prove themselves over time with dramatic roles and serious roles and roles you don't expect from them. Because like one of the first movies that he ever got like real acclaim for was like Thelma and Louise, where he's just like hot hunk. And so I think that there's an element there of like sometimes actors really have to like do, like you said, you show all that different range before they really, you know, and we look, we look fondly at these movies now, but like at the time, all of these were kind of like weird movies for, you know, a, a general audience. Yeah. Can I tell you something that I did with this watch that I'm glad to find out there's actually like a slight, there's like film analysis for or a movement for? Yes. And that is that Marla is not real as well. Marla as played by Helena Bottom Carter. As I was watching the movie this time, I was like, you know, a lot of the motifs that they seem to use for Tyler Durden seem to also apply to her. People, other people generally don't seem to react to her. She seems like she's also like, when does he first see her? He first sees her while he's doing this thing of he's like sneaking in on self-help groups. And then he hates her because he knows that she's like doing the same thing he is, right? Maybe that's just a manifestation of his own self-loathing appearing in a different form for him to hate. And then I'm glad that I looked it up and I have found like a whole film essay about how Marla may not also be real. Now, I don't guess the writer of the book has ever confirmed this. But it, I feel like if you watch the movie, there's a lot of people like at one point she just stands in traffic and cars just drive past her and they don't stop until Ed Norton walks into the road. You know, there's a lot of hmm. things like that where it feels like that could be like, and that kind of, for me, like watching it through the time, I was like, I'm just going to watch this because as I noticed it early on, I was like, I'm going to watch this and see if there's any other clues that maybe Marla is not. Marla is also a figment of his imagination. Interesting idea. I, don't, I also had that, but I didn't think, oh, I'm sorry, Josh, Stewart. No, I was just going to say, I don't really, it, you know, the movie's so old now that if they haven't confirmed it, I think that's probably nonsense. <laughs> yeah. You know? It probably is. It's probably just people wanting to find more meaning in it. But as I was watching it, it just stood out to me. Yeah, it's a fun theory for sure. 
We'll go ahead and jump into the box office, David. Yep. Okay. Okay. That, yeah. Let's uh, leap way back to 1999, October 15th, 1999. I was uh, just a Chad, a Chad, a lad of nine <laughs> years old. Just a wee little Chad. I was a wee Chad. That was before I changed my name to David. I was a child lad of nine years old. And Fight Club opened, like I said, October 15th to $11 million in about 1900 theaters. It was number one at the box office, beating out Double Jeopardy, which brought in $10 million in its fourth week. At number three, you had The Story of Us. At number four, Three Kings. And at number five, American Beauty. So honestly, looking at it, and those movies did nine, seven, and six, respectively. Wasn't like a high mark week for the box office in general. That underperformance would continue to the next week where it would drop down to six million, three million. And then it was out of the top 10 by week four. So it was not a wildly successful movie in the United States. On a budget of about, I think the budget I read was about $60 million. Overseas, it brought in $63 million to give it a worldwide total of about $100 million. So it didn't break even, though, until home video is what I looked up. In home video, it did wild on DVD sales because they actually did a little bit of like work on the DVD release. The first DVDs came in this like brown package, like almost the, like it was like, and like a brown paper bag package. So it looked like it wasn't supposed to be bought. You know what I mean? So it did really, it got a lot of attention that way. It made it huge in home video release and then continues to do huge home video release every time they release it on Blu-ray or some other new medium. I have the um, 20th anniversary and it is a never been kissed themed open. That's right. The, on the mini screen. I read about that. I, so yeah, it is, it is a movie and I, Wikipedia notes that it was after its home video release that it, that the movie made a profit, which is something I don't really bring up too much, but it was in the Wikipedia art. So I was like, I'll go with that. <laughs> you know, for 1999, you would, it was a big year. It was, again, this is, it's very interesting to think about this movie as being a movie that came out before 9-11, because I almost don't think it would have come out any time after that, just because of its content. But and we didn't even talk, we didn't talk about some of the, you know, it, some people were inspired and they did try to create their own fight clubs and they did try to do that kind of stuff. In 1999, the number one movie of the year was Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. At number two, The Sixth Sense. At number three, you can listen to our review of Toy Story 2. At number four, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And at number five, The Matrix. I don't know where Fight Club finished on this list. It might not have finished anywhere. Probably in the top pretty three. low. Yep. Yep. Let me see here. What do we Fight, think Fight our Club ratings are for? At number three. This is our guest for Letterboxd. Oh. Or, no, just your own personal rankings. We'll get a letterbox here in a second. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, when I was 15, I would have probably given it five stars. But I think growing up a little bit, I think I'm going to give it like a three just because, uh, I don't know, I feel like I keep watching it. But I still, you know, it's the performances. It got a full star just for beating the shit out of Jared Leto. So. <laughs> they did make him look unattractive in that movie after he got beaten. Ooh. That was the uh, beat him up. It's, I yeah, give this one a, a four because of the storytelling. For, really from a storytelling purpose, like I really appreciate the start to finish and the unraveling in the different direction I feel like they took it in. You know, again, the messaging. I just see realism, unfortunately. I see that it has happened. This These people just start following a crazy people and mindlessly start doing it. And it's it seems realistic in how I assume that process goes. Uh, so prophetic. there's an element of realism there for me that I just can't shake anymore. So I yeah. think that it's worth If it turns out, if, if the writer ever confirms that Marla's not real, it'll go up another uh, half star. So there you go. Perfect. What about Letterboxd? What do we think it's got What's on there? Guess. 
I'm going to guess it's a, I didn't see what it was rated, but I saw that it's rated like towards the top of Brad Pitt's. So I'm going to say it's a, it's either a 3.9 or 4.0. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 4.0. That's what I was going to say. I guess I'll undercut you then a little bit and pick 3.8. I'm going to go with, I'm going to give it a, I think it's going to be high. I think it's going to be a 4.3. 4. 4.3. Yeah. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. I have it pulled up. Hang on. Okay. We have a direct hit sunk my battleship situation with this movie's been watched a lot. Over a million <laughs> ratings on Letterboxd. How many? A, a million. million. Oh my God, that's one. A lot. It, to be exact, one million twenty-seven thousand and seven ratings. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. I know. Speaking of well, a lot, I also saw Letterbox announced last week. I think that they have officially logged one billion films. Hey, that's oh. awesome! So oh. good for them. Maybe they'll yeah. Where they go, Letterbox? Anyway, I've seen like nine hundred. I've delayed enough. The winner is four point three. Garrett is the exact winner. Oh, it's a is, four point three. It is very high in a yeah. way that concerns me yeah. for the men of Letterboxd because I don't trust. Yeah. yeah, it is very. That is obscenely high. I think you know. You hope that most of it's. Oh, this movie is great for the right reason. That's up. I know that's well obvious. So what's seven? Can we look that up? Well, seven? are we doing seven? Let's teach it for next week because huh. next week we are still talking about Brad Pitt movies. So let's make sure we hype up Mr. Pitt, oh, however, yeah, whenever yeah. we can. Oh, fashion. Um, okay. We, yeah. Do we want to say what we're going to do, John? I think I've I don't know the answer. Mind. I forgot. So, do you want to go next? I can. Why okay. not? Yeah, because I think I've changed my mind. We'll oh, well, it. then I will we'll go. We'll talk next... about it up, Mike. We'll talk and about it next week. Next week, we will talk about the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Cool. I've, I've never seen that. The title. I haven't either. I hadn't this seen it cursed. either. And it's highly ranked in a lot of lists talking about Brad Pitt's performances over the years. So I thought, you know what? Why not? It's a different kind of pit. It's a Western pit. It is unfortunately long. So I apologize for that. <laughs> hey, if it's a good movie, I don't care. I did my best. You know, a lot of his movies are long. Yeah. I, the other one I was interested in because I had heard a lot of interesting things about it was Meet Joe Black. And that mm. movie is actually over three hours long. Well, good grief. That's so I was like, I can't do that. I won't go. Did you sort? Game. Did you find Brad Pitt's movies and then sort by by runtime? I didn't. I just happened to notice because <laughs> when I looked at it, I tried movie. to be cognizant of the time because you know who wants to watch a three hour movie all the time. Anyway, yeah. So we'll do the assassination of Jesse James next week, and then I think after that it's, we do Bullet Train, and yeah. then we finish with your pick. Okay. Oh no! Next well, I guess week Bullet Train will actually probably Bullet be in between. Yeah. I forget. Bullet you guys figure it out. You're subscribing. You just get whatever we send you and you like You're going to get pit all month. That's what you need to know. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Since I forgot again to say it at the top of the show, I'm saying it out loud now to remind me. You should check out our Patreon account, Patreon page. Just search so many sequels there. If you subscribe, the biggest benefit is you get access to our cast and crew Discord channel where we talk about movies and all kinds of fun stuff with other people. So... Go check that out. The prices are really low. I think you can get in with a if I remember right. So go check that out if you like us and you want to support us a little bit. We would really appreciate it. It would help with, you know, 
website stuff and Zoom and all that. So check that out. And of course, all our other social media, you can find it at so many sequels.com. We'll see y'all next time with more Brad Pitt.